2: About the festive season, as football, football, and more football. And so, the perfect excuse for another edition of the Gagan Pod, which had about a monster week in the Premier League. David Weiner with you, and I hope you had a fabulous Christmas. And joining me to dine out on even more football fun, Michael Bridges. Welcome. Happy Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. All the best for the new year, Thank- up and coming. Thank you, Dave Squires. Welcome back.
3: Hello. Merry Christmas.
2: Thank you. Great to have you here. And we've got Kate Cohen in as well, sneaking in for a pod appearance before she's off to the Asian Cup. It's part of the Socceroos scouting team. Welcome and great to see you.
1: Good to see you again, David, and one last time before I head off.
2: Brilliant. Well, we've got so much to talk about because we had a full suite of Premier League games this morning, and wow, the cat amongst the pigeons. Liverpool, six points clear at the top, with City losing to Leicester this morning, and Tottenham in second. How good is the Premier League title race going into the new year? Bridgie, are City done? What's going on with Pep Guardiola's side? They can't be done yet, Dave. It's just a little bit of a blip in the system.
0: Every team has one every now and again, but it's, it's incredible how much they have been found out in the last two matches, and it's going to be interesting how they bounce back. The The next two matches for them against Southampton and the big one against Liverpool, that will be the defining one. If Liverpool can get the result, I will say City are done for, but you can never, ever block out Pep Guardiola and City.
2: It's like a grand final next Friday, Kate. It's what a match-up for the, for the, for the Premier League. What's your read on Pep Guardiola's side? Fernandinho out it's a bit crazy to say that they're a one-man team but what a difference he's made with his absence.
1: Yeah there was a really interesting um, graphic about the number of defensive actions that City have per 90 minutes and as soon as they lose that holding midfielder and opposition teams start to go longer and bypass City's press then all of a sudden they're forced to defend and they're forced to defend in more difficult positions when they're and behind and their centre-backs are getting exposed a little bit more but it's incredible how quickly football can change because just three weeks ago we had the Divock Origi last-minute goal in the Merseyside derby. If that goal doesn't happen, Liverpool, are, they will, I think, would have been five points behind City. Mm. But since then, in that three-week period, City have lost three games and Liverpool are now six points ahead of them, uh, ahead of uh, Spurs. So it's amazing how quickly football can change. And also, as you mentioned, that one player who's absent for City makes a huge difference to the balance of the team, which then flows onto all this different um, sense of pressure and and the momentum changes. You've got two weeks in a row when Liverpool played before, so then they have the result Mm. to go ahead City knowing that they have to win or else fall further behind and not being able to continue with that pressure. So, yeah, it's an incredible incredible turnaround in such a short space of time. and, And City are... Having a little bit of a blip,
3: I think I deserve some of the credit for, um, <laughs> hearing for this goes. because the first pod that we did here, um, you asked about what we'd noticed so far this season, and I'd said that it was, you know, it, really the race was for second place, and that Manchester City had won the league, and it's all over. <laughs> so um, clearly, Jurgen Klopp has played this to the to Liverpool team and, and inspired them and I completely have jinxed. He's wall. got the yeah, gig and pride right. on one board, the gig and press on the other board. He's nailed an iPad to the dressing room wall and played this. So, um, But yeah, no, it's great that it, it's back on. Um, so yeah, we, we have uh, three horse race with... Um, city liverpool and Leicester, who are now you know the the form team in the premier league and can d- d- defeat anyone it's like 2016 again but without all the horrible stuff
2: and they've got history the foxes and they've been this morning's result could be should be so crucial in in the run in um, pep guardiola's side, 60% of their losses in his time have been in december so that whole idea of how he balances his team and that high intensity in this time of year that he hasn't had to contend with is so fascinating because Klopp um, has obviously over the last few years come to a balance there and they've kept six clean sheets of a ball in the last I think it's eight games just remarkable but here's the thing Bridgie so we've got this Christmas sort of mythical two teams have held it in the last 10 years Liverpool and they're the only two that haven't gone on to it we're so lucky to have someone with experience playing in this room unfortunately I wish for you it was talking about what it's like to hold on to it. <laughs> but the truth is, what's the message to Liverpool fans right now? What what can we read into this point now, that lead? What is it like to try and hold on to it?
0: Well, they've came very close in the past, and I'm not going to mention the Stevie Gerrard slip. I just did. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it can all go pear-shaped in one moment. And having an experience in being top of the league at Christmas with Leeds United, it, it still hurts me to this day. We celebrated, we went crazy. And um, the fans got carried away. So you did
2: celebrate around Christmas New Year? We did.
0: We went straight back to a place called the Peacock. We beat Derby County. Harry Keel took the best dive I have ever seen. He won a penalty. Ian Hart stepped up. There was nobody near Harry, so how it was even given, I'll never know. <laughs> um, he got it. We were laughing about it on the bus. We had a 1-0 win. Ian Hart scored the penalty. And there was a place over the road from um, a pub called the Peacock, over the road from Elland Road, and... We came back and celebrated like we'd won the league We were ripping each other's ties off We were ripping each other's shirt It sounds terrible But we really got carried away as young kids And we filled the win by 22 points Come the end of the season Behind <laughs> Manchester United uh, we, And Arsenal So it was a big reality call So you can't get carried away Because the after the Christmas period There is a lot of games still yeah. to come and it's a long season.
2: What uh, was the biggest thing? Do you think you, it was complacency, or was there an element of once the results started to peg you back, you are looking over your shoulder? The
0: biggest thing for me, we were young and naive and hadn't actually won anything. When I look at that team, Manchester United had won it before. They knew how to win it. They knew what it was all about, and we just became very, very nervous and anxious and, and got carried away too early. And we, had a, we did have a defining moment, however, in that season when two of our fans got stabbed in Istanbul mm. when we took on Galatasaray. That had a massive knock-on effect mentally for the players because um, we were very young. A few the lads needed a little bit of help because they knew the guys very well and personally. Um, but apart from that, we did not know how to win it. And that's the only thing with Liverpool. They've come in so close to this group of players. City have won it before. And you just
3: it, it goes a long, long way in my, when you know how to win it. I do wonder if the emotion of it all will be too much for for Liverpool, I think that's something that they'll need to, to manage. Obviously, it's been what twenty eight years since they won a league. It'll be twenty nine by the end of this season, um, and that's the pressure that comes with that. I think they, I mean, they buckled under it four or five years ago. Um, obviously, different manager, different group of players. Um, Klopp, as we've spoken about before, hasn't actually won that much yeah. yet. Um, so, whether if he can get this team over the line, that will be. Just a phenomenal. But
0: Newcastle United 12 points clear under Kevin Keegan, Mm. and Manchester United and Ferguson found a way to defeat Keegan mentally on TV. Yes, that incredible moment he said, "I I hope we beat them. I hope we beat them." When he (laughs) lost it, and you know, Ferguson's probably laughing at the TV just then, going, Mm. "Well, that's it. It's over. We've got it." So I think it goes a hell of a long way.
2: But the key thing is here, is you mentioned um, this group of players, but it has evolved this group of players, Kate. And you talk about that pressure and the mind games and the media side of it. Jurgen Klopp has played it to a T so far. He's talking about, I want to enjoy this. Great line, he said, this, he called it bullshit. He called it bullshit on the stat of two Liverpool teams dropping a league, because he said, if we'd won those two, would you be sitting here asking me now if we've won it? And he flipped the narrative. He said, no, it's not over now. So he's trying to play calm, play like everything's fine we'll only worry about the next game but okay the key is in terms of that history the team has changed you see fernadinho out from man city but you see with liverpool four midfielders five midfielders there's a choice every time does the weight of history hold liverpool back or is this team under klopp who won in in germany he has knocked back the big guns before um can they make that next graduation
1: Well, I think the message from the players and from the coach has been really consistent ever since Liverpool have started on this run of form. Um, And it wasn't that long ago that the fans were getting a little bit um, anxious because the Champions League spot was on the line. City were starting to go ahead, and by October, November, people were saying, oh, City's going to win the league now. So things have changed very, very quickly, but the message from the players has always been consistent. And even this morning's interview after the Newcastle game, that was the most the player had ever given away when Jordan Shaqiri did the post-match interview, when they asked him about the league and about the Manchester City result. And the most that was given away was he just smiled. And then he continued to say, well, we've got to worry about ourselves. Um, so the narrative has always been, we're just worrying about ourselves. We're doing what we can. We're focusing on our next opponent and taking it game by game, which is very cliche, but it's important for their mindset to not get carried away. Um, because not many of them have been in that position, but the more they're able to rack up the the wins, then the more the confidence grows. Um, And then you've been able to see with the turnaround with Van Dijk and Allison coming into the team, then adding in that extra sense of um, uh, depth in midfield where they're able to have a Milner Mm -hmm. who's not even involved, or you're able to have Henderson, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, all these different players that are able to come into that middle of the park. So, yeah, I think... There, there is always that risk that because they've not been there and done that as a group that, that maybe they don't know what it takes to win a game, but uh, win a league title rather, but um, their message has been very consistent. They're not getting carried away yet, perhaps after that City game, once they play Arsenal and City back-to-back, mm-hmm. if results go their way, then, then perhaps there's that danger then but at the moment they're they're well on track and they're keeping their uh, heads relatively screwed on the shoulders. Amazing
2: maturity because they went through an early part of the season where you would say they weren't playing their best, they were scratching Mm. late results. The Merseyside Derby, a classic example, but now here we are at the biggest time of year playing Newcastle, five at the back, packed defence, and they picked them apart. And that's So if we're going to see now that they're starting to get into some form, that's a very positive sign for them.
3: One of the things that has changed from the start of the season, Salah didn't start the season particularly well. I think he was there was a bit of a World Cup hangover there. He would had a bad World Cup and a, a tough, tough period after the shoulder injury against Real Madrid. Um, and just in recent weeks, he's he's started recreating that mm. form of of last season. Um, so that I mean that that's huge for them. But they're not as reliant on that one player as they were no. last Th- season. They're
1: also playing differently as well because during that run last season that they had you would have Mane, Firmino and Salah whereas now they're having Salah playing as the central striker with Firmino playing off him and then if you've got Shakiri playing on the right he'll actually take up a second number 10 position so they 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 more or less play when Shakiri's on the pitch they play with a 4 at the back with both their fullbacks high and then they have two sixes, two tens and two number nines awesome. or two players on the last line. So they're playing very differently to the way that they were playing last year. They also have that added layer of flexibility because they are, they are able to go back to that flat three in midfield and have the three up front. So Klopp has more to work with both in the depth of the squad and also the flexibility of the players to play in different positions and different roles based on what the opponent's going to do and how the opponent's going to play.
2: And if there's a transfer market textbook, you look at the way this side evolved this year with money to spend and the way he picked the holes and brought his team to the next level that they needed to be. Spot quiz. We're going to play this back. We're going to put this in the archives. (laughs) Do they hang on? Dave, you're up first. (laughs) One word answer. Yes. (laughs)
3: Yes. <laughs> Bridgie. so Just like a jigsaw. Okay.
2: Yes. Of course you're going to say yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go yes too. I think there's the mood, the feel about it this year. Um, and the results with City, oof, you just feel like the, it's moving in one direction. But there is a joker in the pack, Bridgie. It's extraordinary. Um, uh, wash your mouth out there, please, Dave. A joker in the pack? You a mean le- a real threat A legitimate, the pack. A legitimate second choice. And <laughs> as Pep you. said this morning, there are two teams better than City. Let's just take a second to pay tribute to Mauricio Pochettino. It is phenomenal yeah. that they are second at this point of the year, given everything going on around them. It's just incredible. I always go on about this man
0: because the the respect he has from the players, the respect he has from around the people at the training ground at every level, the canteen that you go down. This man is probably the most respected manager that I've heard from the players about and you know um, ledley king just speaks so highly of him. met him last year and said what what's he got what does he offer he said bridgie would not believe this man is a gentleman but his tactics and the way he gets his message across to his players to actually take out the game style is phenomenal and i, I think they've got a, still got a real good chance january coming around is there any money to spend mm. after not spend in the start of the year does he need to spend Given what he's done after the, after I'm a fan. they are going to say yes. Get another player. We need. You know. You just never know what's going to happen. But the the stadiums cost so much money. You know, Danny Levy's under so much pressure, um, with what is going on there. But I, I still feel they're in about it because they, there's no pressure on them at this moment in time. The pressure is all with the board and the directors and the money generated, and the players and Pochettino are just going out and and enjoying. It. And there's a there's a big worry that he may leave next season. The, the bookies very rarely get it wrong in the UK, as do the media, and they're saying that he will manage Manchester United. Do you, do you think he will? At the start of next season. Well, I'm just hoping Solskjaer wins every game from Man United <laughs> until the end of the season because then he will be the manager. Um, but they, no, it's phenomenal and it's going to make for an interesting title race. And I'm just delighted that Tottenham are in and about the mix.
2: Are they legitimate, Dave? Is, is this a three horse
0: race?
3: No, I don't think so. Sorry, Bridget. Dave, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think that, I mean, they, they've lost, a, what, three, four games this season. Um, when they've come up against the the top teams, um, they've they've fallen short. Um, I wonder whether the, uh, I mean, when their form wasn't great earlier in the season, we were hearing about the fatigue from from the World Cup. Whether that's you do legitimate? Many, you or, don't
0: know how many players we had at the World Cup. Yeah,
3: yeah, sometime? that's yeah. yeah, that's right. So, uh, if they don't reinforce their squad in the next month, then you wonder how much of an effect that's mm. going to have come April, May.
2: i what has helped is have a player like Cole Walker-Peters bob up at right back in place of like Kieran Trippier and become the youngest player uh, to supply three assists in a game since who, Bridgie? Give us a clue. Well, you might have played with him. Aaron Lennon? Close. On, James maybe, Milner? Maybe on the other flank. The other flank. Another clue. P- possibly didn't hit the heights he should have. Bit of a bad boy reputation? Could have. Came from the Gunners, possibly. Yes, um, I've got it. Kind of think was Pennant. Yes, exactly right. So a bit of that makes a that does help because someone like Kieran Trippier is probably hasn't reached the heights that he did after the World Cup. And he, actually, England's defence, most of them actually haven't hit the heights they they did during the World Cup. And Kyle Walker Peters this morning was a was a great addition down the right and um, caused all sorts of problems in another brilliant win for them against Bournemouth. I took um, on my so fantasy
3: league team. We really see those those <laughs> Spurs it. players. Um, recreate that World Cup form when Spurs... I think they've got a run of fixtures against against Tunisia, Panama and uh, Colombia. So that's when you'll see the Spurs players really hit the straps.
2: (laughs) Squires rule Spurs out for the title race in emphatic fashion. I'm not reading
0: your column this week.
2: Join the club. (laughs) 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 Okay, what about another team that's... Look, I don't think they're... At the moment they're not top four race, but if they keep this vibe up, they might be. Manchester United last week, we had a 15-20 15-20 minute crisis talk about them as Mourinho has been sacked and what a difference a week makes, what a difference a smile makes at Manchester United.
1: Did you see that photo comparison of Mourinho's last entrance into Old Trafford as manager and then Scolshire as his <laughs> first entrance as the new United manager? The difference was incredible. Just one guy looking like he'd eaten a bag of lemons and then you had Scolshire <laughs> who had the biggest grin on his face. He couldn't believe his luck. He still um,
0: looked like a child, didn't he? He yeah. does.
1: He looks so overjoyed to just be in that yeah. position and that bounce will go on but then the fact that they've gotten two wins to now actually have that legitimate turn of momentum as opposed to just everyone feeling better uh, mm-hmm. around the joint um, so yeah there's some legitimacy behind that turnaround but it's they've also had a good run of fixtures. Yep. after um, Once Mourinho was sacked, then everyone was looking at the fixture list going, well, actually, there's a really good chance of them having a positive bounce before they come back around for those um, that big run of games over the New Year period, and then moving into February when you've got Champions League and, and whatnot coming back. But yeah, it's been an incredible turnaround, and it shows how much psychology plays a big part in professional football. The fact that the players can feel that weight of pressure. They can feel the tension. They can feel the unhappiness. And then as soon as someone comes in and just sweeps all of that negativity out of the way, then they're able to express themselves. Um, and it just really gets everyone on board, all of the crowd supporting them. Um, so it's, yeah, as I said, it's incredible what psychology can do in professional football.
2: Bridget, in all honesty, what happens in the dressing room? Like, Is this a sign that the players had sort of um, given up with Mourinho? as a sign that Mourinho was holding them back? Is it a bit of both, what actually happens when the smiling guy comes in and liberates you. it's a bit of give and take,
0: yeah. and I think Mourinho did put the the reins on some of the players and restrict them, and that's not a good thing. They, it, especially not when it's Manchester United, when they want to see exciting football, and we know Mourinho likes to play this, you know, park the bus mentality that we've had a go at, and. I think it's just been a breath of fresh air for the players where Solskjaer has come in, he's been an attacking player himself, he knows what it's about, and he's gone and said, Listen, I'll give you a license. As long as we've got four players at the back at all all times when we haven't, when we've got the ball, in case of the transition, the counter attack, he's given everybody freedom to go forward. Pogba getting two goals has has got a new, fresh, at least a life. So when I'm in the dressing room and and you've been in the scenario before when we've had a manager that has put the restrictions on, there's certain players can down tools. Like a Pogba, because his name and his reputation will get him a move. There's other players there that won't want to do that. They want to go out and perform every week because you're under the you're under the microscope. You might w- want to get a move. You're playing for yourself. It's a bit of pride. And so I think Pogba and a few may have down tools, which is not good because players are like packs of wolves. You smell blood, you're going to go for the jugular. And they were after Mourinho from the from I reckon they get as soon as you start. I reckon three games in, the players weren't happy. The atmosphere was toxic. And you can just tell by the, even the staff. Michael Carrick, a Manchester United legend, uh, went to the same school as him. And you just see, I see Michael Carrick when he was a kid again. When he was sat there next to Mourinho, he looked like a bag of nerves. And he looked, he was shitting himself. Because he didn't know what to do. And I don't think he was given license to do that. And now you see him, he celebrates my soul show. And it just spreads. And I think it's the best thing that Manchester United could have done now because
2: now they can move on. And um, like I say, players players do sense it. Yeah, well, Wayne Rooney's comments were pretty telling and pretty yeah. upfront, to be honest, about the um, the intel he was getting from the club about the whole mood and the atmosphere from the from the tea ladies all the way up. And if if that's happening, then you've almost got like a cancer in the club. The mood, the
0: tone. If you upset the tea ladies and the kit men or kit ladies at football clubs then there's a massive problem. There's a huge issue because egos should stay at the door when you go in there and they're the first people you speak to and say... And I think it was... Dave, you mentioned something about social when he walked in with...
3: Yeah, the first thing he did when he went into Carrington at the training ground was to give um, the the woman who's worked there for 50-odd years a big block of Norwegian chocolate.
1: When, when When you're a manager and you're speaking in the press and you're trying to portray this message and obviously there's been lots of question marks about Mourinho's message and negative tone that he was talking in the press, but... As Bridgie said, the support staff and the backroom staff, those are who the players speak to the most. So if ever you need people on your side, it's those people who will give those constant messaging, the positive vibes, making sure everyone's on the same page, and if, if you've upset the support staff, then you're going to have those n- sense of negativity, <laughs> that little, those little sniping comments that can just grind players mm. down, and if they've already got doubts about the way the club is going or the direction that the manager is taking the football club, then if you've got support staff who should all be on the same page, all singing from the same hymn sheet, who are talking differently or talking negatively, then that's going to affect the player's um, ability to go out there and perform at their best.
2: Some people don't rate stats. There was something that was so telling for me because you can sometimes measure a little bit of effort and in 16 out of the 17 games under Mourinho, they were outrun and the only team that didn't was Fulham by something like 100 metres. They ran five kilometres more than Fulham. Oh, Cardiff sorry, straight away in the next game. Pogba... In the first game under Solskjaer, Sky passed the ball twice as many times as he did in the previous game against a similar-caliber opposition Southampton.
0: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrowcom slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at
2: burrowcom slash ACAST. His passing accuracy didn't change. The amount of times he got on the ball did. So I don't know how much you can read into that, but I think it is quite telling. The difference is without Davis tactically, Mourinho didn't
0: want his players closing down. He wanted them to get back into shape and get defensively steady so you've got your back four, your midfield four, your midfield five. They don't go to do the pressing game. I think the first thing Solskjaer has said to them in the game, the, the, the work rate has gone up no end because he's
3: saying go and press and win the ball back. Solskjaer as well has a previous relationship with Pogba. So he coached them at youth level I think that's an important yeah. important factor. When you're managing um, pretty big egos that can be a challenge for, for any coach. Um, if you're looking at the moment the way that Emery's dealing with with um, Mesut Ozil I think Emery is sorry completely changing subject here but Emery's sort of scarred I think by his the last couple of years at PSG where he's trying to deal with um, you know um, Neymar and Mbappe Cavani and I think what Emery's doing at the moment is keeping Ozil sort of in his box sort of thing, almost belittling him, belittling him in a way, which is something that Mourinho was doing publicly with his players. Um, and, I mean, that's that wouldn't motivate me. I don't know. Have you ever, Bridgie, have you ever had a, a coach who's sort of been really critical in the in the, in the the press and in the media of players? And how does that go down within the squad?
0: Uh, yeah, it did, actually, when I was at... Um I'm trying to think where the hell I was now. whole City. I was there with a guy called Phil Brown. He's just got a new job, actually. He's my half, mate. In
1: the, the Indian Super League, isn't he? Yeah, I think
0: so. There you go. Good on him. Um, <laughs> yeah, either way, he belittled players, the way he talked to um, players. And with the, the highlight for me, I, I left and I came to Sydney FC mm. to, just to get away from the guy. And I got a lovely text message from Nick Barnby saying, please make sure you watch the Premier League footage of what he has just done to us in the middle of the pitch at Manchester City. Yeah, He has completely just lost the dressing room and um, Jimmy Bullard the week after did the demonstration back when Phil told the players off. <laughs> and as soon as he did that, I mean, there was five or six of us were offside with him anyway and then he lost
3: everybody, the whole squad of 30. So um, yeah. you get found out. You, How did the you, fans react though? That's sort of my sense is that the fans would love it if a team is doing terribly and the manager is seen to be bollocking them at oh, half-time they would on have loved the pitch. it For
0: that moment in the 24-hour period, but then, as the game goes on, uh, yeah. then a week after, and the week after, the, the fans start to see that the players hang on a minute. That's yeah. the gaffer that's on because the players aren't trying. Yeah. So yeah.
2: interesting stuff into a world that we can only write about and do cartoons on. But Bridgie, you've lived it, and it's damn fascinating to hear what happens inside the dressing room walls. All right, guys. Next one, we're going to have some uh, random sentences that we're going to get you to finish off. And the first one is a spot one to all of you. The form player of the Premier League is Dave.
3: Uh, Virgil van Dijk. Oh,
1: you took my
2: answer. <laughs> Bridgie, you got a fresh run for us? I'm going to go for Aubameyang. I'm going to go Hong Sung Min, who I think when he goes to the Asian Cup will be the best player there and possibly one of the biggest losses in January for Spurs. Um, Kate, Rafa Benitez saying Newcastle need a miracle to avoid relegation is... Stupid. <laughs> Explain.
1: We've just spoken about ways that you can lose a dressing room. and There's the risk there that even though Newcastle aren't one of the worst three teams in the competition and they're in a reasonable position despite that loss to Liverpool this morning um, because some of the results went in their favour. But this this constant agitating to try to make changes at board level and ownership level, it, it risks adding this huge distraction to the players who just need to go out there and survive. So you've got that that debate there with Mike Ashley and whether or not there are going to be new owners that come in and whether there is going to be investment in January, which is what Benitez all along has wanted. He's wanted backing in the transfer window. Um, but to then come out and say that that his team needs a miracle to avoid relegation when they're not right in the thick of the scrap at this very moment, um, that can have a big knock-on effect for players who lose confidence and and don't feel like the manager has full belief in their ability to to dig out some results and and survive.
2: Tough life being a Newcastle supporter at the moment. But not so with this question, Bridgie. Leeds winning five in a row for the first time in a decade, sitting top at Christmas means... BS.
0: (laughs) Absolutely nothing. and The reason why I've, I've explained that earlier on, when we were top of the league and fell by the wayside. It's a very, very tough league. There's more games in the Championship than the Premier League. And Bielsa is renowned to train his players very, very hard. Injuries may come along, I hope not, um, before the end of the season. So there's a long way to go, but... It- Oh, it's just the gap. You've just got to have that
2: gap from third. Doesn't matter whether you're champions or second, it is just. Do not get the Just the Just quietly, just leads are top in the league for most shots, most chances created, most passes, most possession, and. The least expected goals conceded. So, and I woke my wife up at
0: four AM this morning <laughs> when I shouted when Roof got his second goal to get the three-two victory, and um, she wasn't
2: very pleased. And clearly got character with two late goals in consecutive in games. Team, yes. um, guys, to a big talking point in Australia and Scotland over the last couple of days. How shall I go into this one, Dave? Can I start with Chris Sutton? Is
3: <laughs> what's the strongest word we can use? No, no. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about about Chris Sutton. I think he's sort of football's answer to Piers Morgan. Um, he <laughs> t- says these things, puts them out there to to get a reaction, and and we all bite. Um, I mean, if we're going to go into what he was saying last week about the Asian Cup being a Mickey Mouse tournament, and you know the stuff he said about uh, you know Australians should stick to 4x and shrimp, I think he said. Um, like he's just saying it to get a reaction. It does come from a place of a very sort of insular outlook that I think most football fans have. You know, Stoke um, fans, obviously, Stoke and Hibs fans are ob- obviously pretty upset that they u- lose some of their their key players. But uh, everyone's known the rules for for a long time. Mm. Everyone's known the diary, the calendar for for ages, so to whinge about it now is, um, it seems a bit late. I think Graham Arnold has done well. He's been pretty firm in what he said. And I should say, four years ago, the team that I support, Swindon Town, we lost three key players for that tournament. Um, so Massimo Longo, who's obviously the best player there, Yasser Kassim, who was brilliant for Iraq, and Brad Smith um, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, it pretty much cost us promotion. But did we complain? Yes, at length. <laughs> did it make any difference? Bugger all. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into every time I meet you, you come up with this. Can't let go. I can't let it go. <laughs> so the
2: quote was: "The Socceroos should shove their 4x where the sun doesn't shine." It's Mickey Mouse football. Bridgie should Tom Rogic be allowed to play in the Old Firm derby before linking up with the Socceroos? It's a very, very, <laughs> it's a huge debate. Um, and
0: I think that your, your country should come over your club because it's something that you aspire to be from a young age. And having been at Leeds United and seen Harry Kuehl and Mark Duca, this was the ongoing saga and scenario. Every time there was an international squad announced, the manager would go in and say, boys, you're looking a little bit tired, or how's that angle? You're looking a little bit injured. And it depended on what type of standard or level of international game it was and where it was in the world, whether the boys would travel. So I don't want to get the boys in trouble. Um, but they seem to always be ready when Australia had a great result against England when Sven-Gorn played two different 11s and Australia got the results I wish uh, i sat that one out I know. <laughs> you know I can remember watching it and just thinking "Oh, I'm going to get a text off Harry any minute and stuff you Pommy <laughs> and it's, it's tough and I think, you should, I think you should just go and get on with his international career the old firm Derby he's going to play in many more the Asian Cup is a chance to represent your, your country and, and go back to win it back to back and I just feel like people like Chris Sutton They've had a huge career, big names in the game, but when you are so far away from what goes on in the other part of the world, i.e. the A-League, Asian Cup, you shouldn't be able to comment and come up with some rubbish like that. Uh, it's similar like when my, I'd been here six months and my best mate Gary rang me up and he said, um, how are you? Is everything good? I said, yeah, why? He said, I've heard there's been a shark attack. And I said, yeah, I live in Sydney, Gary. And he said, well, there's been a shark attack in Perth. Is everybody, <laughs> is the family okay? People have got no... Idea how big this country. I said that's like you were hearing about a polar bear eating a guy in Russia. <laughs> that's how big this country. So you know, if you if you don't know what you're talking about, then just shut it up and let it go. And
2: like you yeah. said, Chris is just about making a mountain out of a molehill. I think a part of it was that inflammatory reaction, and I think he enjoyed stirring the pot after that. But it. I do think a fair part of it was based in the ignorance that the Asian football confederation probably faces, and I think it was probably as disrespectful to Jordan as it probably was tongue in cheek to Australia. Mm. This
1: was a Jordan side who not that long ago narrowly lost two under Croatia so they're they're no easy beats there will be a difficult challenge so yeah it was quite disrespectful and um yeah it was obviously Graham Arnold had gone over and spent two days with Brendan Rogers earlier in the year so those discussions around Rogic and when this was prior to Arzani's injury when the players would be um coming in um for the Asian Cup would have been a topic of discussion so it's not fresh on the agenda. It's been there for a long, long time since that Asian Cup schedule came out. So Just he has no how, reason to come. How
0: valuable Rogic is to both club and country. It's nice that Rogers is saying I want him here because if he was not playing or he was rubbish then he'd be saying, Yeah, see you later get your international duty. That is a massive positive for him and obviously for Australia. Yeah,
2: Celtic so fans love him. So it actually is on one hand if you if you took the glass half uh full approach. It's great to have clubs fighting over yeah. an Australian player um, but equally I think the, the stance from the federation which is if we let Tom Rogic play this how do you justify it to Brighton and how do you justify it to the other clubs where the players just want one more game and Australia are not in a position at the moment with injuries to have that luxury plus this Asian Cup defence, they need a week together in camp to to deal with it in the most professional and uh, respectful fashion to the tournament as possible. But to wrap up this section, Bridgie, that leads us straight in. We've got Rogic, Rogic, but Australia without now, Aaron Moy confirmed, Azani, possibly Leckie, and of course, Yednak and Cahill are...
0: Doubtful. It's a but tough defence. It's 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 a horrible situation. I don't want to I, I don't want to go into this to be honest with you because oh it's
2: horrible it's a horrible scenario but I don't think there's any hope if you're losing players like that. Yeah, it's we'll, going to be very very tough. We'll touch on that a bit more closer to kick off next week. But yeah, that's a, that's the prognosis for the Socceroos at the moment. And Graham Arnold does have work cut out in that week of preparation to get the side up for that defence. Um, the random world of football brings up something spectacular every week. And one thing that caught my mind this week, gents, was the Mains fans in Germany with their rendition of Wham's Last Christmas. Now, of all the things you expect fans to be chanting out, that was quite a spectacular sight. Um, and it, perfect way to ask you, what's the most memorable thing you've seen in the stands at a game or you've been playing and heard come from the stands in a game?
3: Chance. Um, I found out last week that Exter City. I know an Exeter fan and who's telling me that they chant their um, area dialing code. There's a, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I think it's 01793. I'm 01793. I know I am. I'm sure I am. I, it, I know it's not 01793 because it's Swindon. But um, And yeah, I think the only other one I heard that, that sticks in my mind, and I think about it all the time, is a guy played for Swindon only about five times, mm-hmm. and a group of Swindon fans used to sing to the tune of Girlfriend in a Coma, um, Fola Adebola, I know, I know it's serious. Um, so yeah, that's all I've got. Wow.
1: <laughs> well, the the most memorable thing I've seen in a stand, in this game doesn't compare to any of those, chants, But it was um, watching South Korea play and seeing um, the reaction of the of the fans, men, women, and children quite literally bursting into tears when Son would just walk past and wave in their direction. The fandom that, um, that they have in that country for him is incredible. Um, we've seen David Beckham, Steven Gerrard, Ronaldo, Messi, they've all come to this country. Del Piero was well and played, and you see the huge reaction that those superstars of the game get, but that's nothing compared to the reaction that I saw that Son got in South Korea after they'd come back for their first game on home soil after the Asian Games success.
2: I saw something pretty spectacular a couple of weeks ago. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it's really nice. When uh, Nuri Sahin went back to mm. B- Borussia Dortmund with Werder Bremen after he played 270-odd games for Dortmund, and, you know, you see sometimes your ex-players get booed or whatnot. The, 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 bundes, the, the crowd there gave him a standing ovation after the game. They applauded him. He got to go over and greet the fans afterwards and was basically brought to tears by the reception he got. So That happens it, to Bridgie when he goes back to Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> no, the kids just cry because I'm ugly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you, Bridgie? Uh, I've got two, actually. One was from when I was a fan at St. James's Park with my father and Newcastle United signed a Brazilian player called Mirandinha. And there was a swear word in the song, and I remember looking at my dad saying, am I allowed to sing this song? And he gave us the old nod of approval. And it was, we've got Mirandinha, he's not from Argentina, he's from Brazil, and he's bloody skilled. And that was my first bit of language in front of my father at the age of eight, and I just loved it, the way they could come up with a song overnight when you signed a player. But my favourite was actually playing for Leeds United, we're taking on Manchester United and Posh Spice had just um, got engaged to David Beckham and she had this massive, if you remember the big diamond that was all over the national papers. And within 24 hours, you know, each club has a songwriter and they came up with this incredible one. So as we were playing Manchester United, the whole of Elland Road started singing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Posh Spice is a Leeds fan, she wears a big fat jewel, and when she's shagging Beckham, she thinks of Harry Kuehl. Do you all stop in your tracks? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing that for? The, the funniest part about it was, I remember looking, because you've all got a song, and before the game, you always clap your fans when you hear your song. And there was something just had changed completely. No one went from Ian Hart to David Batty, and they worked their way through the team in the warm up. And there was something just not quite right, it was a bit too quiet. And obviously, the song was getting told amongst the fans, This is what we're going to sing. And I'll never forget, as it, as it was getting sung, Bex was in the other half of the field and he just gave Harry Kuehl the most dirtiest stare <laughs> I've ever seen. And it was absolutely priceless. But then he started
3: laughing in the tunnel. He went, Where did they come up with this crowd? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. I just remembered the, actually the funniest thing I've ever seen in the football ground was when my friend Kieran, who is six foot five, got knocked over by an inflatable Mr. Blobby that was maybe about 12 <laughs> inches high. It had Ross McLaren written on the back, who are, who is our, mo- our robust midfielder and is the uncle of Jamie McLaren. And, yeah, the guy in front of him just threw this blobby back and just caught my friend slightly off balance, and down he went at Bramall Lane. Love it. Now, what was Mr. Blobby off again? The not house his house party. No-one no in Australia will yeah. know no. who this <laughs> is. <laughs> All right, guys. Left. Thanks,
2: man. Got a stat for each of you. Quick-fire answer. Um, the first one to you, Dave, is... Um, 75 goals for Delhi Alley at 22 years of age. How old was Steven Gerrard when he hit that mark?
3: 28. He's
2: 27. Frank Lampard was 26. It's a formidable good, measure. Good effort, formidable Most. measure of the man. He's 27 till he's 28. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, who is the only manager currently in the Premier League to have lost to have leaked six at home at three separate clubs. And it happened this week. Silva? He has. At Hull, at Watford, and now at Everton. And what's fascinating is, as of Monday, um, Everton had more points this time last year than they do this year. So he's one of those guys It's so intriguing to see the, the narrative around him because he's so attacking, but does he have the balance to get Everton going forward? Bridgie, if Tottenham's attendance at Webley versus Bournemouth was 45,000, what was Sunderland's attendance at the Stadium of Light against Bradford in League One. club re- uh, uh, League
0: records, 46,000. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. I saw Peter Reid put a, a tweet out just saying, get behind Sunderland um, and support them over the Christmas period, and they did.
3: <laughs> I don't want to urinate on your Christmas pudding, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm unzipping and I'm about to. Um, it, you're exactly right. It is a, a club record, but Sheffield Wednesday fans, I think, have been going mad on, on social media saying it's a league record in the era of it being League One. But I think in the third division... I then won't they- off the question that <laughs> was asked. You, uh, if, uh, you, I was asking. If had gone the all yeah, league, okay. then I would have said Sheffield, right. <laughs>
2: Sunderland at 46. We need
3: to go back and listen to this tape again. You haven't got anywhere else to be this afternoon, have you? No. All right,
2: all right guys. We're into the last episode of 2018. So no better time to make some fearless predictions for 2019 and to look into the crystal ball. Bridgie, we'll kick off with you. You're sticking by your earlier prediction. Who wins the Premier League, mate? We are going to play this back to you and you're going to cop it. Um, Kate, Women's World Cup winner. Matilda's. You can't say anything else, so that's a, that a <laughs> Dave, the Champions League winner. No, oh, you've been <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Bridgie, the biggest name to leave England in January's transfer window. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, blah,
0: blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go... Recently, there's big talk that Zaha could be leaving Palace to go to China. With yeah, well, that unnamed how big,
2: Chinese club that everyone gets I don't YouTube. know how
0: big of a name he is if that's classed as the biggest name, but I'm
2: going to say Zaha. 44 million quid in January. Jeez, Crystal <laughs> See you later. future could hinge on that. See you later, Crystal Palace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Jeez>. Correct. <laughs> Kate, in July, who's coming out to Australia with Manchester United as their coach? Potch Poor Spurs fans. Dave... <laughs> Premier League Golden Boot winner? Uh,
3: Salah. Mo Salah. Fair.
2: Can't argue with that. Mm. I thought we should be doing this a quiz voice, so I apologise for that. Bridgie, (laughs) does Australia win the Asian Cup? Yes, they do. Go on,
0: Graham and the boys.
2: Well, that's great because we can hedge our bets now. Because half an hour ago you said they're going to bomb out. So that's. <laughs> yeah, but but I think Moy will be fit.
0: Lucky'll <laughs> be fit. We're going to bring Timmy
3: Cahill back. <laughs> Listening back to this tape, it's going to be a late one.
0: It's going to be very tough, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go yes.
3: Okay, Kate.
2: Um, the biggest headline of 2019.
3: The Australian
1: national teams will do us proud on the world stage. A double. Yes. Not just the double, but we've got the um, we've got the Asian Cup, we've got the Women's World Cup, and we've also got the Joeys going to the Under-17s World Cup, and the Pararoos play their World Cup in Spain as well in 2019. So it's a big gift for the Aussie national teams, and I think uh, we're, we're uh, well on track to have all four do very well.
2: That is a wave of optimism that I'm very glad to hear. And Dave, on a wave of pessimism, who are the three teams that are going to get
3: relegated? Uh, Fulham, Huddersfield, and one other either Burnley, Cardiff, or uh, pretty much anyone from 16th down could go down. I'll say Burnley, just because of that at the moment. Oh, and I think God. they're going to sack Sean yeah. Deitch. Eh? Yeah. yeah. It'd Deich. be a
2: miracle if Cardiff stayed up.
0: But Mourinho's just been sacked from Manchester United, and the ginger Mourinho at Burnley will get sacked as well pretty soon.
2: Okay, good prediction. Good prediction. Well, everyone... Thanks for coming in on the day after Boxing Day for a bit of football chat. It does never stop, and the good news is, well, there's Premier League to watch till whenever you want, really, on Optus Sport, and that includes uh, this weekend as well, where it's all about Liverpool versus Arsenal, 4.30 a.m. Sunday morning, um, which a result for Liverpool there can set up what is, I mean, it's not a grand final. It's too early to call a grand final, but it is as big a match as you can see anywhere on the football planet Um, Friday week against Manchester City. Just cannot wait for that. And there's so much football before then. In the meantime, Dave, Bridgie, Kate, great to see you. Safe travels, Kate, to the United Arab Arab Emirates. Bring the trophy back with you. And to everyone else, have a happy new year. And until the next episode of the show, enjoy your football.